free agents. Let's talk about that. Good morning, listeners. My name is Wes Taylor, and this is the Daily Panthers Podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Daily Panthers. Anytime you want to see some good tweets, or just go to my follows and just follow all the people that I follow because they're all related to the Panthers or sports one way or another. But today we're going to be talking about the Panthers blueprint and episode two of that. It aired last night at 6 p.m. I think the next one airs either tomorrow night or sometime this week. So be on the lookout for that. And also just a couple of small things for everyone, a little reminder Sales, ticket sales for training camp go on sale Thursday at 10 a.m. If I remember correctly, be on the lookout for those. Go ahead and get your Ticketmaster account set up. They are free tickets. I don't know if that includes fees or not. And I think there is a maximum of six tickets that you can get. So choose wisely. Training camp dates are on the Panthers website at panthers.com. There's a story by Darren Gant in regards to tickets and times and dates. So check that out. You can also go back on the Panthers Twitter to check those out as well. So if you're interested in going to training camp, I will say as a member of the North Carolina Coalition, South Carolina does have us beat in a couple of things and heat is one of those. So I would advise against going if you are sensitive to heat. Or if you're going to take kids, I would just make sure that you get there early and in the morning. It All the practices are really only in the morning because it is so hot. But definitely bring your water, bring your food, bring, bring your drinks. It is going to be a scorcher every time, unless it rains. And then you'll want to bring an umbrella. I, myself, am going to try to make it to one of the joint practices for the Jets. So I'm very excited about that. Uh, but... Yeah, I think that that is going to be something that's going to be a lot of fun. And I'm going to go try to get a Bryce Young autograph on a Bryce Young rookie card or college card, maybe. Or maybe my jersey. I don't know, but I want to wear my jersey. I don't want to hang it up. So, we'll see. But, I digress. Um, So, today I want to talk about the blueprint. I don't know if you all got a chance to watch it. If you have not, go ahead and watch that because I will be spoiling it today. Um, I won't, obviously it doesn't really matter that much because it's not a movie, so there's no plot twists or anything like that to get spoiled, but it is about free agency. So if you're interested in free agency, go ahead and check that out. It covers uh, most of our high profile free agents, and it at least mentions pretty much all of the free agents that we signed or re-signed. Um, it mentions, it starts out with Frankie Louvu. Um, I didn't even know he's not a citizen of the U.S., so that's pretty cool. Um, it goes into Adam Thielen, Miles Sanders, Bradley Bozeman, uh, Von Bell, Shy Tuttle, Hayden Hurst. So basically it covers every single position that we filled over the last month and a half with our free agents. So if you're interested at all in the front office aspect of it, the scouting aspect of it, it's definitely worth a watch, so go ahead and watch that before you listen to this podcast if you're worried about me spoiling it for you. But if you're not worried about me spoiling it for you, or you've already watched it because you're a true Panthers fan, again, it's on YouTube. It's on YouTube, so 
Panther's Blueprint, episode two. Check it out. But if you haven't watched it, or you have watched it, and you just want to listen to this podcast anyway, awesome. That's what I'm going to be talking about right now. So we got to see Bradley Bozeman and his wife. We, I think it's his wife, either girlfriend or wife. I, I'm pretty sure it's his wife. But uh, yeah, definitely his wife. I've seen her on Twitter. Last name's the same thing. But um, they are awesome. I mean, we already knew from the start how great they are. I don't know if... They have any connections to Charlotte or not, but they are adopting this city like they have been here their entire lives. I wish that I saw the same adoption from the fans of Charlotte who move here, uh, the fans in Charlotte who move here. They're not fans of Charlotte. They're fans of the Celtics, the Knicks, the Steelers, the Eagles, the Cowboys, pretty much all the Northeast teams plus the Cowboys. That's who they're fans of. Oh, and then the Lakers, yeah. Get a lot of those. But the... Bozeman's have clearly bought into what we're doing here in Charlotte. They, I mean, even going from Matt Rule to Frank Reich, it's like it didn't even matter. They've been positive from the start. They've made a positive impact on the community from the beginning. So it's just cool to see a free agent who has only been here for like a little over a year, maybe maybe almost two years, but have such a like deep-rooted belief in this city and this system so I think it's really neat to see that from a player and a team like this one so you should definitely check out the Panthers blueprint if you want to see a guy and a family who are completely bought in you also see him cry about his daughter or son um, and it's really cute the Panthers sent him a game football with his kid's name on it and they uh, set him up like a little gift uh, bo- box at his locker and he was talking about his son and the pictures that they took and it showed a couple of those with his jersey on them so very very cute segment of the show and it kind of shows the scouting report on Bradley Bozeman from our front office and it kind of does that with all the free agents which is really neat it seems like they had a day where they Literally just went through all the free agents and went through all the positions, or at least a few days where they went through all the possibilities. And uh, yeah, it was pretty neat to see. They they clearly wanted Bradley Bozeman back on the team. And it didn't seem like it was really even a question, honestly. I mean, Samir Suleiman alluded to the fact that all negotiations are really touch and go until you put ink to paper. But by all accounts, it seems like this one was pretty much a no-brainer for them and I don't know exactly what it is I'm, I'm happy that they it is a no-brainer for them and they re-signed with the Panthers obviously he was a bigger reason why our run game was so successful and Samir Suleiman mentioned as much but I just find it very peculiar that they are so attached to this city so quickly and that it was kind of a no-brainer for them so I'm and again I'm not questioning it I'm well I guess I kind of am but I'm also just very happy that it is the case for once that someone wants to be here because that hasn't always been the case in the past. And I really loved that whole segment. Um, they said he was nasty and he had the edge to the line. And I agree with all those things. And he was a big reason why our run game was so successful. And then you had, speaking of run game, you had Miles Sanders and the discussion that was had around him. If Scott Fitter asked specifically if they could afford to pay Miles Sanders, uh, the Eagles uh, being they, 
And yeah, it was this really neat moment of how the GMs kind of think through things and who they're targeting and what they think about other GMs. It's kind of funny to hear like, can they afford to pay this guy? Are we going to be able to grab him? So I, uh, I think that that was really funny to see. And I'm really excited about having Miles Sanders on the team, especially after some of the things that they mentioned in the video. And they clearly think of Miles Sanders as a three-down back. They've mentioned that a few times, but even behind the scenes, they kind of mentioned that. And they mentioned specifically his number of catches. So if you were thinking about passing on Miles Sanders in fantasy at all, I would strongly advise against that. If you can get him on your team, get him on your team. Because it sounds like they want him to be in every down back. They want him to be part of the pass game. Seems like they want to get some good usage out of Miles Sanders. So, And you've got somebody like Bryce Young, who's a rookie quarterback, who's going to be kind of dependent on his running backs, who's used to throwing to Jameer Gibbs out of the backfield and um, other talented running backs from Alabama who are probably in the NFL right now. Even the backups are in the NFL. I mean, just look at Alvin Kamara. He was like fourth string on Alabama's offense that year, and he made it to the NFL and was a star. But, uh, yeah, I think Miles Sanders is going to have a career year. They specifically mentioned his 50 catches that he had his rookie year. He mentioned that he would love to get back to that, and he really just wants to win and be a dynamic running back in the pass game and the run game, whatever it takes really to get the win. And... I think that that's great, obviously, and we seem to have brought in a high culture guy who's also a great fit athletically for us, so I'm really excited about that and what that entails, and I think that if Miles Sanders is able to live up to what he thinks that he should be and able to live up to what the coaches want him to be, um, then I think that he is going to be a top 10 running back in the NFL, no questions asked. And I think he is pretty fresh as well. He hasn't shared like a primary load in the backfield probably since college. He's been either a backup or it's been a multi-headed attack from the running backs. So this will really be the first time where he is the clear number one back with the three down tag on him where he's able to do anything and everything for the team. So that will be a really interesting thing to watch, especially based on what they were saying in the video. And uh, I thought something that really stuck with me through that whole sequence was him talking about Deuce Staley. And Scott Fitter, or someone mentioned like, oh yeah, and you've got Deuce back as well. And... He mentioned, um, Miles Sanders mentioned, like, oh, Deuce is great. And then Scott Fitterer, this is the part that really stuck with me, he asked him, what makes him so great? I don't know if he was doing it for the video or if that's just who Scott Fitterer is, but we've seen multiple times here in which Scott Fitterer has kind of asked players their opinions on things or asked them why they think certain things. Frank Reich is the same way. We saw him in the first blueprint, like, teach me what are you looking at here I mean I think that it makes it a very weird thing to see from going from a college coach who has to control everything to professionals who are asking the players to tell them what they're thinking and telling them to coach them and you know I've never been to the NFL I don't really know 
what it's like to be in one of those locker rooms. But I would imagine that being all adults and all alpha males, that it's a little bit hard to put those egos away when you've been the baddest man on the planet for your entire career, or at least one of them. And then you come into this situation where everyone knows everything about you, including you. So it's it's hard. I'm sure it's hard to have opinions about yourself and about players, knowing that everyone else also knows everything that you know, and everyone else also has all the information that you have. And the players themselves know themselves better than you know them. So I would imagine it's very difficult to find guys who are very coachable or at least like receptive to coaching and you being able to coach them in a way that not only improves them as players, but also respects them as men. And I'm sure that's a very fine line to walk. And I couldn't imagine really what it looks like outside of the cameras because you've got someone like Frank Reich who's been doing it for what 25 30 years and at a certain point I'm sure you can only find so much out about football and eventually it's just everyone knows what you're supposed to do on the slant route everyone knows what you're supposed to do in an out route so I'm not sure exactly how much space there is for coaching like oh no run your slant route this way Adam Thielen who's been doing it for 15 years himself so that's yeah that's just kind of a a weird dichotomy and it was cool to see the running backs getting coached up and um he went to shy tuttle as well there's a specific moment there that i'm if you haven't watched it you're gonna love it if you have watched it i'm sure you loved it when Derek brown did a rep on a drill and shy tuttle told him to come back and he said i want you to do it again and Derek brown asked him like what he meant He's, and he basically said, I want I want to see you do it better than what you just did it. He colored his language a little bit better than I did, or a little bit more with some language, but uh, essentially Shy Tuttle was telling him that his rep sucked and he needs to do it again and that he needs to accept coaching. And he said, you can't go around coaching everybody and not expect to get coached. Basically, I'm paraphrasing, but that's essentially the conversation. It wasn't any no animosity or anything, but it was very good to see actual accountability and not just like hey go slap the dbo sign and just promise me that you won't (laughs) jump off sides again they're getting treated like adults and they're acting like adults and at this point i'm really rooting for this team because there's so many good characters on it there's so many likable guys you really just want them to succeed panthers media knew what they were doing with this one because basically they've made me like everyone on our team in a way that I feel like I know them so I can't say I want them fired it's just too it's too real now they've they've given them too much personality they've brought them in and done like basically a whole campaign for these guys and I'm rooting for them you see someone like Miles Sanders smiling all the time and jumping up and down and having so much energy like a little kid you see someone like Scott Fitter asking great questions and being a great person or Samir Suleiman or Frank Reich. It's like you you really want these guys to succeed after seeing them behind the scenes. So it's going to make the season really hard if they start to suck because then I'm going to be like, man, I really want you to succeed, especially since I feel like I know you, but this is really bad. So I hope that I don't have to make that choice. I hope that everything just goes well and everyone is good and I don't have to get mad about our team and yeah I'm really really got my fingers crossed so they also showed Hayden Hurst 
And I must say that man's beard. Oh my God. Whenever I grow a beard, that's how I always picture what mine will look like. It never does, but that's always what I pictured it like. I know these guys got a lot of testosterone or whatever. It makes your hair grow. But whatever hair genes he has, they need to be genetically like taken out of him and dispersed to the world. Because he probably has the best hair genes on anyone I've ever seen on the planet. You That chin has probably not seen the light of day since... When, well, I, I don't know when he didn't have a beard. But whenever he chose to have a beard, that was it. That's that's like the thickest, most impressive beard I've ever seen in my life. And also the reddest. Like, you don't see many red beards. Like, But, man, and that beard hair looked like something you would take out of your beard and be able to pick a lock with it. Like in Artemis Fowl, if you've ever read those books as a kid. But, yeah, and then he's got like... The hair down to his shoulders, too. So, I mean, just all in all, the hair genes, like, plus, plus. Great job, Hayden Hurst. You really killed it with that. Um, they didn't mention his injury at all. I don't know the exact timeline on when it was filmed versus when he had his surgery. They never really mentioned that. So, that was not in the cards. Uh, they never really mentioned anything outside the free agents that were signed, too. So, we only got to see, like, five or six guys. It is only, like, a 24-minute program, so... Basically, these last couple of times, each time they've covered something, it's been about three minutes. That's what they've done. It's like three minutes of this coach, three minutes of this coach, three minutes of this coach, or three minutes of this player, then this player, then this player. So all in all, it's like in these 24-minute episodes, we get like basically like eight three-minute segments, essentially. So for better or for worse, I think that this whole program has been done fine, you know. Uh, the first episode was kind of a wash. I really enjoyed the second episode. The free agent signings and stuff is one of the things that I really wanted to see. So I'm glad they showed that. Um, I would have loved to see more of the behind-the-scenes stuff where they're actually talking about the players rather than just like short little clips um, or the meetings with like Miles Sanders or the Bozemans. I really enjoyed watching those as well. So any of the behind-the-scenes stuff. The practice field stuff... Eh, I mean, we get to see most of that on social media or watching it ourselves. Um, so the moment with Shy Tuttle was really cool. I really enjoyed seeing something like that. But otherwise, eh, practice doesn't really, doesn't really, not really what I've come to see personally. I'm sure there's people who love to see that, love to see the clips of them playing, don't really care about the behind the scenes stuff. I, I'm a dialogue guy. I'm a sucker for some good dialogue, some good Quentin Tarantino so that's just me but hopefully with this there's there's a third episode it's the last episode it i mean it's got to be the draft right they all know what we want we want to see what the talks to trade up to number one were like we want to see all of that stuff so i really am rooting for them to show that the move up to number one specifically i want to see that so bad I want to, oh my god, please, please just show us what it was like. I just want to hear it. I want to see that conversation. I want to see those secret meetings at the combine. Whatever it may be, I want to see those. So please, show that. Um, they haven't shown Bryce Young really at all. They've only really shown clips of him throwing in practice and the other quarterbacks. So I imagine there'll be a heavy dose of Bryce Young here in the last episode. Um, and then they haven't shown any Jonathan Mingo. Come to think of it, they really haven't shown any of the rookies, so 
This last episode will probably be like a rookie showcase. So I would imagine in a 24 episode or 24 minute episode, we're going to see probably about, I don't know, like 10 minutes of Bryce Young and like six minutes of Jonathan Mingo and then two or three minutes of everyone else. So it will be very, very fun to see. And I hope we get into the war room. Please just let us see the draft. I want to see it so bad. Please, please, please. I, I want to. I want to. Um, so I really do hope so. If they don't show that, then... I mean, they're going to. They're going to, for sure. It's just a matter of how much are they going to show us. Are they going to show us to move up to number one, or are they just going to show us the actual day of the draft when we've already had number one for a month? Are they going to show the combine at all? Are they going to show those meetings at all? Are they going to show them talking about those meetings? Um, so I really hope that they show stuff that wasn't on camera. Are they going to show pro days? That's the question as well. And also, will they show us if we were thinking about any other quarterbacks like a CJ Stroud or an Anthony Richardson? I don't know. Let's hope so, though. I'm, I fingers crossed for that one. But are they going to show us that? I, um, please, please do. And they also showed a clip of apparently there were more than us just an, interested in Andy Dalton, and um, that's when they mentioned specifically that all negotiations are touch and go until there's ink to paper, essentially. So I'm not sure what other team was interested. They. Frank Wright called him that other team so I don't know if it was the Saints or someone else I don't know if he was calling him that other team because he didn't want to reveal who the other team was or if he was calling him that other team because it's kind of like a oh they're our rivals so we don't want to say their name type of thing I don't know but there was clearly some interest in Andy Dalton outside of us so you know someone is looking for a backup quarterback maybe Andy Dalton didn't want to back up Derek Carr or didn't knew he didn't have a chance in that situation, or maybe he was just looking for some, a mentorship role. You know, they don't really cover it. Also, with Jameis Winston still in the picture over there, he could have potentially been third string here. He is clearly the second string, and he is paid as such. So, and Matt Corral is clearly the third string. Um, so, you know, that's kind of what we're looking at there. And if anyone knows backup quarterbacks, it's Frank Reich. He is literally the greatest backup quarterback in the history of the NFL. And no, I'm not talking about guys who were backups and then the starter got hurt and then they became great starters like a Tom Brady. I'm talking about guys who spent their careers as backups and stepped in in moments and in games. And Frank Reich was one of those guys. He was one of the, he's one of, if not the greatest backup quarterback of all time. So he knows backup quarterbacks better than anyone. And it seems like Andy Dalton didn't just have interest from us. But he also mentioned specifically, like, we were all around the country, but we kept a home base in Charlotte, and then they lived in Charlotte for 13 years. So I think that's kind of what he's suggesting to Andy. But where's Andy from? I knew he went to school at TCU. I don't know if he's from Texas, though. Maybe that's where their home base is. Or he played at Cincinnati, so possibly there. But I kind of feel bad for Andy Dalton. He never really did pan out as in like a pro bowl level starter he had a few good years there led him to the playoffs i don't think he ever won in the playoffs though i mean cincinnati is doing much better now but you know i still feel for the guy 
you you want everyone to succeed. So, you know, now he's a backup quarterback and expected to mentor this rookie quarterback who is probably 10 years younger than him. And he's asking, being asked to do it for a major pay cut from what a starting quarterback would make. Uh, but he's still making good money. It's just, I'm sure it's tough in that situation to be that guy who has to take a back seat when you have that competitive spirit. And no matter how good you do and no matter how great your practices are, you're going to be put in the back seat regardless. I mean, by all accounts, Andy Dalton has looked good, but you know it's it's always been the plan to move Bryce Young up and starting in training camp. He's going to be running with the ones, and that's it. So this is what it looks like to have a, a competent franchise running things where we don't have a fake quarterback competition. We don't have all this BS in the media of who's going to start and who's not. It's just Bryce Young is going to be our starter. And, well, they haven't come out and said that, but essentially it's Bryce Young is running with the ones now. It's writing's on the wall unless something drastic happens, knock on wood. Bryce Young is going to be running with the ones, quote-unquote, on game day. So, at the very least, these Panther confidentials or blueprint, not confidentials this year, blueprint, is basically just reinforcing the fact that our front office knows what they're doing. Our coaching staff knows what they're doing. Um, I would be interested to compare it to, in years past, what it looked like, and also compare it to other programs in the NFL, especially successful ones like the Steelers or the Patriots, who have had success, or the Ravens, basically the teams whose coaches have been there for a while. Um, I would be interested to see what those look like compared to ours, um, because we do have a lot of guys with a lot of NFL experience, so I wonder if there'd be any reproduction there, or, you know, if it looks any different uh, compared to maybe what it looked like with Matt Rule or other unsuccessful coaches. Um, Yeah, I I don't know. That would be something that I would be interested in seeing. They'll never show it, and I'll never get to see it, but I'm just curious as to these winning, winning historically winning cultures in the NFL, if there is a big difference in what they do in practice and what goes on behind the scenes versus what goes on behind the scenes at the Panthers facilities or if it's just like talent and that's it. I'm sure it's a little bit of both, but we can't be far off from having a winning culture and a winning program based on what I've seen. It's got to be at least similar to what they've got over there in the Steelers or the Patriots or whoever. So I, I think that we're right on the precipice of that next step and we're about to take it. But thanks for listening, y'all. Hope you have a good rest of your day. See ya.